Good afternoon, my godly people, and welcome uh, to, I believe this is episode 14 of the Word Encounter. Uh, before we get started, I want to make a, a couple of statements here. First of all, uh, as we go through the Word, uh, I need you to understand that um, I am highlighting and going over things that I think are important or things that have uh, resonated with me and whatnot, but I highly, highly, highly recommend that as we go through, you do your own reading, you, you get into the Word, you get into the nuances of the Word, and get your own revelation. And so that's, that's your responsibility, so I implore you to do that. Uh, secondly, I want to give a shout-out, a Sunday shout-out to a couple of Florida dudes. And first is Bobby Powell, and then there's Denny Weeks and De Dennis Winkleman, who have been following along as we've been going through the Word here, and I appreciate uh, uh, your, your attendance, if you will. Uh, it's much appreciated, and I recognize it, and I thank you very much for it. And so hopefully you're gleaming a lot as we go through this Word. <clears throat> and so... Let, let's continue on uh, before we start into chapter three, because we left off with chapter two of Exodus yesterday. Uh, I want to go over a couple things. Um, number one, uh, we'll see here in, in chapter three in verse one, where it says, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. Well, yesterday I said, Reuel. Well, that's because that's what it says in verse 18 of chapter two. And so we see that in verse 18, when they returned to their father, Raul, he asked, why have you come back so quick, so quickly today? He was asking his daughters why they came back so quickly. And so uh, there seems to be a little bit of controversy as to whether or not this is the same person, whether Raul and whether Jethro are the same person, or maybe Jethro is a title, or, or I, don't, I don't know. It seems to be that the consensus is that it's probably the same person. Um, and, and so I... Again, do your own research, see what you come up with. And so sometimes these things happen and there seems to be conflicts in the word and we don't understand why. And sometimes it's due to us just not having a revelation at that time as to what it means. Uh, and so <clears throat> I don't know. I, I think it's the same person, but I don't know. And so uh, as we move on, one of the things I neglected to go on at the very end um, of chapter two was that um, Zipporah and, and uh, Moses had a baby. And the baby was called Gershom. In verse 22 of chapter 2, it says, She gave birth to a son uh, whom he named Gershom. For he said, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. And so this is Moses saying he's been a resident alien in a foreign land. And he's, you know, getting up there in years. But he still feels like he's a resident alien. And so, um, so you know, take that for what it's worth. And so let's go on to chapter 3. So we see that um, while Mo in, in verse 1, while Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses is estimated to be about 80 years old at this time. And so he went to Midian uh, when he was in his 30s or 40s, I'm not sure. Um, and so he's been there at least 40 years. So he's been there for a long time. In verse 2, it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked... He saw that the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. And so the bush was burning, but it was not being burnt. The bush itself was not being burnt, even though it was burning. Even though there were flames, it was not burning the leaves or anything in the bush. So that had to be a very, very unusual sight. And so we see in verse 4, when, uh, 
when the Lord saw that he had gone, uh, so, so Moses went over to look at this bush, and in verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses says, here I am. Verse 5, do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your, from your feet, for this is holy ground. Okay, so take it off because, you know, you're standing on holy ground. And so remove the uh, sandals from your feet before you come over here. And then in verse 6, uh, it says, then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. So God is announcing himself to Moses. This is who I am. And Moses is terrified. In verse 7, then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the, of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land uh, to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so he's telling Moses, Moses doesn't know what's going on back in Egypt. So God is telling him what's going on. I've seen what's happening. I've heard what's happening and I've got something better for them. In verse 10, it says, therefore, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Me? Why? You know, why me? And he answered, I will certainly be with you. Then Moses asked God in verse 13, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? In verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. I am who I am. That's what you're to tell him. I am. That is who is sending me. And so that is some stuff right there. I mean, I, I, I am so magnificent and awesome and whatnot. I don't even have a name. I am. That is who is sending you. And so he goes on to tell Moses what's going to happen. He goes on to tell uh, Moses how to approach Pharaoh. He goes on to tell uh, Moses how Pharaoh's going to you know, respond or not respond. And then he goes on to tell tells Moses what's going to eventually happen and that you are, in fact, going to lead my people out of Egypt. And uh, he, he ends, what is this? He ends chapter three with... Um, so you will plunder the Egyptians. He's telling them, not only are you going to lead my people out of Egypt, but as you're going out, you are going to plunder them. You're going to take their stuff. I'm going to load you up with loot. You're going to plunder them. They're going to want to give it to you. You are going to lead my people, not empty handed. You are going to lead, uh, lead my people out full chested, you know, stuff bursting from your wagons and, and whatnot. And so this is how I'm going to send you out. And so we see in verse four that um, in chapter one, Moses answered, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you? And so Moses is still questioning God like, OK, I hear what you're saying, Lord, but what if they don't believe me? What if I start leading them out or try to lead them out and they shout me down or or anything like that? I, I, I'm. Moses is having a crisis of confidence 
because he doesn't believe what the Lord is telling him. He doesn't believe that he is capable of doing what the Lord is telling him he's going to do. Now, how many times has that affected us? How many times in our daily lives has that affected us? When we are to do something, maybe we even heard from the Lord or had an unction or a feeling or whatever. And in the back of our minds, it's like, I can't do that. I'm not capable of doing that. You may never tell anybody this. It just resides in the back of your head. I can't do this. So you look for ways to get out of it. You look for excuses. This is exactly what Moses is doing. And so, and so what? Did, how does God respond? So, so Moses says like, um, uh, yeah, what if they said the Lord did not appear to you? Uh, the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? And so Moses says, well, this is my staff. He said, throw, throw it on the ground. So he throws it on the ground. It turns into a snake. And then the Lord says, okay, reach down and pick it up. It turns back into a staff. He says, that'll be a sign. He says in verse six, in addition, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, his hand was diseased, resembling snow. Verse seven, put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it had again become like the rest of his skin. So his color had returned. So we see here that the Lord heals. The Lord healed him. You know, the Lord inflicted him, but then the Lord healed him. And so he says, show him these signs so that they know this is not coming from you. This is coming from me. And so, <clears throat> but Moses is still, he's still sketchy about this whole thing. <laughs> So he says in, in verse 10, but Moses replied to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently or since you have been uh, speaking to your servant because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. So, so Moses is saying, look, I can't talk. I can't talk in front of people. I can't convince anybody of anything, you know? And so he said, please, Lord, you don't, essentially, you don't know what you're doing. You can't send me. I'm not the one. And so in verse 11, the Lord says, who placed mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, I got to be honest with you. This verse sometimes messes with me because the Lord is saying, you know, who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Implying that he inflicts people with illnesses. And so because he says, is it not I, the Lord? And so I need more revelation on that. I'll just be honest with you. And then in verse 12, it says, now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. So he's saying, don't worry about your speech impediment. Don't worry about what you think you know or don't know. I will put words in your mouth, okay? And I will teach you what to say. In verse 13, Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else. So he's still in the process of trying to tell the Lord, I am not the one. Send somebody else. You don't know what you're doing. No, no, no. I can't do this. And so he, the Lord is not having it. And so Moses uh, is being sent out. He asked for Jethro, Jethro, uh, Jethro's permission to take his wife and, and kid and go. And so Jethro blesses him and he, he goes. And so it says, so this is chapter four, verse 24. On the trip to an overnight campsite, it happened that the Lord confronted him, him being Moses, and intended to put him to death. What? What did he do? So Zipporah took a flint, cut off her uh, son's foreskin, threw it at Moses' feet, and said, you are a bridegroom of blood to me. Hmm. 
So he must have done something serious. Let me read you Tony Evans' commentary because I think this is very important. Why was God ready to execute the one who he had chosen to deliver his people? Moses' wife, uh, which at first glance, uh, what she did, her actions, which at first glance seemed bizarre, provided the answer. As a descendant of Abraham, Moses was to circumcise his son. He, however, had failed to lead his, cam uh, his family and demonstrate his commitment to God's covenant. Moses was to serve as God's representative to lead God's firstborn son, that is the Israelites, to worship him, but he hadn't even fulfilled his basic oblig obligation. Fathers, the Lord calls us to lead our families in following Christ. Wives are to help, but God has uh, laid the responsibility at our feet. Since Moses had been neglect, uh, negligent, Zipporah circumcised her son and deflected God's judgment, thus saving her husband's life. And so we see that what happened was Moses didn't exercise the covenant by circumcising his son when he was eight days old. And that is, in fact, what caused the problem. And God was going to execute him. But his wife stepped in in order to save him. And so that is um, where we are. See, we're three, four, four. Yeah. So we're going to cut it off right here. We'll pick it up at chapter five tomorrow. And um, I just want to say that for those of you out there who haven't made a commitment to Jesus, it is probably the best thing you can do in these days. And it is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. If you read the word and you understand what's at stake, then you understand that there's nothing more important than committing your life to Jesus. And so for those of you who are on the fence and thinking about it, don't think about it anymore. Just make the leap and do it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I honor you and praise you. And I just ask that your children, as they are out there listening to this word, that it would be absorbed into their skin, into the pores of their skin. Father God, that the core of their beings would be mightily impacted in Jesus' name. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.